we spoke about we spoke about the last five chapters in uh, Sefer Shoftim. That those five chapters are um, separated from the from the chronology. We don't know when these stories took place. So as we go through the stories, we can see hints and the reason that most of Chazal put these stories at the beginning of the time of the Shoftim as opposed to the end. Well, it's very hard to say, but we'll see inside certain hints. But the point is that those stories, they're not actually just telling us about the different um, um, judges and the cycles and all the things we spoke about. But these stories are taken uh, as a sort of conclusion to the Sefer Shoftim and a discussion of what went wrong here and why, why there's something, well, well, this quote Shakespeare, something rotten in the state of Israel. <coughs> One of the things that we see here is the idea of a Pelegish. So before we jump into the story, let's talk about Pelegish. What is a Pelegish? A Pelegish is a second-class wife. Now, according to Chazal, a Pelegish has no um, ketubah. She does not have a ketubah, and she doesn't have kedusha. That means this is a kind of a loose sort of association where they don't really need a get. It's not necessary for her to get a get if she leaves. And there are kind of halachic ramifications to this story. <clears throat> it's very problematic inside the story, and I'll show you as we go along. But what you have to know is the, the reason, like we have to ask ourselves in general, because the, the Tanakh has the whole institution of polygamy. Polygamy is, is not a normal thing. And, you know, Rabbeinu Gershom uh, made it forbidden, certainly for Ashkenazi Jews, to have more than one wife in about the year 1000. Uh, why would um, a woman here, we understand why a man, let's say, we see that Gidon, we saw, for example, Gidon had many wives and he had a Pelegish. We can kind of figure out if kings had Pelegish showed later on, we see that Shlomo had. Why would a man take a Pelegish? Okay, it seems a sort of uh, not a, an emotional connection. It seems like a sort of, why are you doing this situation? Like he just, you know, another woman. The real question here is why would any woman consent to such a relationship when you know it doesn't really protect her without ketubah, she's an unprotected woman. How does that work? Why would she do that? And one of the things we have to understand is the economic reality of those times. Women were, if they were not supported by their fathers or their husbands, they were kind of stuck. You know, today uh, it's hard, but a woman can go get a job and she can support herself. She can become, you know, she can have a different profession or something. That's that's the way things go today. In those days, there was no protection. And it's interesting because we just had Parsha's Mishpatim in the Parsha. You see the story there of a man, he sells his daughter. 
And then you ask yourself also, what kind of man would sell his daughter? What, what are we talking about here? And again, he's not selling his daughter because he just wants to get rid of her. It's an economic reality. The whole institution of women uh, maidservants was intended to give them a future. They would go into a family that was more affluent. And the goal was that either the master or one of his sons would marry her. And that's why the Chumash says there, if they don't marry her, that they were bogeyed. They, they treated her treacherously. And that's the goal. So in this case also, we're going to meet the girl's father. It seems that we have to kind of plug in that idea of an economic reality. If she doesn't have a husband of any kind, she's not going to be able to survive. And the parents, you know, are going to want to provide for her because they don't know how long they're going to be able to provide for her. So in order to understand that, now, when you look at the Tanakh, the Tanakh gives you messages. When you see what happened to the son of the Pelegish of Gidon, Avimelech, and you see what a horrible person he was and what came out of him, murder and horrible stuff. And you're going to see in this story that the Pelegish situation does not turn out well. These are messages in the Tanakh telling you this was not a good system. This was not a good way. And um, certainly Shmuel and Navi, you know, we <coughs> attribute the Sefer Shoftim to him. Shmuel and Navi definitely had an agenda with these stories. Now, the first story, Yudzai uh, the story of Pesel Micha and the Sheba Dan conquering Laish, that story has a certain amount of humor and satire. I mean, they're completely nuts, you know. When the levy comes, oh, I'm going to have a levy, going to be my Kohen, and he steals from his mother, and, uh, you know, and God's going to love me because I have a levy for a Kohen, and all the stupid things they do, and the way that the B'nai Dan talk, it's just sort of almost funny. When we get to Pelegish Begiva, which is chapters Yutet, Chaf, and Chafalef, <coughs> chapter Yutet is the horror story itself, and Chaf and Chafalef are the uh, civil war that resulted afterwards. It's all pretty horrible. There's no humor here. It's a tragedy. And um, it's also got its aspects of horror. So now we'll take a look inside. Screen share. Okay. Okay. So first, I'd like to look at this Nusuch, okay? And you see here that it's all one continuous story. I can break it down for you into, you know, uh, the beginning and the, you know, the, the way he goes back to uh, her house and then, you know, the horror story and the aftermath. But suffice it to say, it's one continuous story. So I like this particular version. Now, we have seen this passage before. We saw it once in New Zion, once in New Ches, now in New Test. This is a refrain. This is like the, the, you know, this is a repetition. Why are these things happening? Why are we having these horror stories? Because there is no king in Israel. So we said that a king could mean that you know, we're talking about the institution of monarchy, which is going to happen after the time of the judges. It could be that we're talking about 
the judges themselves who were kings. At this point in time, there wasn't any leadership, right? The, the rest of that phrase is, every man did what was good in his eyes. Every person did whatever they felt like. When you saw the, the tribe of Dan, they steal a whole thing and off they go. There's no recourse. There's no king to stop them. There's no king to come over to Micha and say, listen, Micha, you can't do this. You know, people want to go to, uh, you know, the house of God. They can go to Shiloh. It's not far away. There's no one to stop any of these things. And you have to always bear in mind that the story of Ruth is also a story of Shoftim. And there too, Elimelech has so much money and he leaves. He doesn't want to be bothered with anyone. He goes to Moab, which is an anti-Chesed place. And ironically brings back a Balat Chesed, but that's another story. But again, that whole situation wouldn't have happened if there was a king. And also there's always the undertone of Ein Melch Yisrael, meaning there was no God. The ultimate king is God. That we see in the Megillah clearly. Okay, so we jump into the story. We're going... Notice that there's some similarities between the Pelagish Begiva story and the Pesel Micha story. There's a lady. Remember, we had a lady. And this story, I believe, is Garbi Yakase Harafrayim. Oh, Harafrayim, that's where Micha lived. A lot of things that are similar to the previous story. His Pelagish is from Beit Lechem Yehuda. And we also see that the, um, the lady. The lady in the Pesel Micha story who comes to Micha, Yonatan, he is also from Beit Lechem Yehuda. That's, uh, it, we're connecting the two stories through these things. And there's another thing that we're going to connect, but let's go slowly. So number one, how did they connect? So Das Mikra con considers that probably this is a large lady family. They have people all over. And, some, and he ended up in, in Beit Lechem and he saw this girl. Now I want to show you a map, because I love maps. Okay. Can you see the map? This is the this is the uh, a line going through this story. He's from up here, Harafrayim. You see that he could be from Shiloh itself. And his concubine is coming from Beit Lechem. There's quite a distance between Beit Lechem and Shiloh, if you see that. Okay. It's important to note that. Okay, and Pasuk Bet. But tis love pilak show. By the way, in modern Hebrew, the word pilagish means a mistress. Interesting, like a, you know, also a second class wife. But tis love pilak show, but telech mi ito, el besabiha, el betlachem mihuda, but tihisham yamim aba hadashim. Now the word batizne is taun. It's it's a loaded word because right away you say, oh, was there's nut here, right? Does that mean she literally went astray? In other words, did she sleep with other men? And it says she left him and went to her father's house in Beit Lechem Yehuda, and she was there. Yamim is usually understood to be a year and four months, so either <coughs> a period of four months or a year and four months. A very significant amount of time. She went home to daddy. She had enough of him. 
The question is, was there actual Zenut? Because this word we've seen in other cases, the mother of uh, Yiftach, she's called a Zona, Rachav, is, is Rachav probably really is a straightforward Zona, but like, what does it mean? So there's really two ways to understand it. The one is that she actually went astray, and that gives us a lot of halachic problems, because if a woman sleeps with another man, she can't go back to the first man halachically. Mistress or, or, or first-class wife, it doesn't matter. So it's hard to imagine that that's the actual problem, because he goes after her to bring her back, and he couldn't do that if she actually went astray. So the Gemara has a discussion, which is actually very fascinating. Gemara says that she did something that got him angry. We don't know exactly what. The Gemara goes on and on about it. There was a fly in his food. There was a hair in his food. And there's a whole discussion. A fly is something she can't control. A hair, that's much more problematic. But in any case, there was some sort of uh, dust up over this. And this is what the Gemara says in Gittin, and it's very important to see this. Okay, I'm a Rav Chista. Ravchista, looking at the story, says, a man should never be strict and cause great fear in his household because the story in the Pilegish Begiva, her husband made her, uh, caused her to, be fearful, and because of that, many thousands of Jews died. Right? I'm a Rav Yehuda, I'm a Rav. A continuation of this story. Okay, Rav Yehuda adds on to what Christa says and says, if a man is so strict and mean in his household, he's going to cause three great sins. One is going to be um, uh, forbidden, forbidden sexual intercourse. The English here explains to you, like, she might be too afraid to tell him, right, you know, that she can't go to the mikvah, so she lies and tells him she went to the mikvah because she's so scared of him. And Shvichus Damim could be death because she could run away and get killed. And Achil Shabbat because he's yelling at her and she's going to do something forbidden on Shabbos so he won't yell at her. Very, very disturbing. And certainly our, our first lesson to take from this story is that people should be gentle in their households. <coughs> One shouldn't uh, have people running about and being afraid. You know, it's very interesting because a person who yells a lot or screams a lot will never really realize it. You know, and they're like, what, what did I say already? They're shocked, you know? I remember there was a story, my sister will remember, I don't remember the details, but in my older sister's class, and one of the teachers kept picking on one of the girls in the class until she just got up and ran out crying her eyes out. And the teacher who picked on her relentlessly all the time, looked at the rest of the girls and said, what did I do? What did I say? I have this crazy, crazy thing that you don't realize you're doing it but you have a person sitting there getting abused. So this is something to bear in mind as, as the story unfolds. She runs away from him and a long time elapses before he goes after her. 
אוקיי. פסק גימל, ויקם אישה, ואז וגצה, וילך אחריה לדבר על ליבה להשיבה. He gets up, he goes after her to speak to her heart, he, to, to, to calm her down, to make up with her, and to bring her back, right? takes his servant, and a pair of donkeys, right? And she, he brought his nar and his stuff, he went to the house of her father. And her father was so happy to see him, so happy to see him. And in order to understand this, first of all, you have to understand that the levy, any person who has a pilegish, must have been financially secure. Because <coughs> the assumption is that he does have another wife and that you know, he, you know, he has another, if you can support more than one woman, you have some good money there going on. He's also, he's also a, a great honored guest. It could be that the father of the girl, and the father of the girl is just so happy to see him because he wants them to get back together. Because one of the reasons that he let his daughter become a Pilegesh is because he wants her to be taken care of financially. And she's coming back to his house and he has to take care of her. And maybe that's very hard for him. So, oh, he's coming back. Maybe they'll make up. Maybe they can, you know, get back together again. And he's very, very happy about this. Okay. <laughs> and the father-in-law, his father-in-law grabbed him. Like, lahachazik is to grab someone. And this is a key word in the story. It's used three times in different contexts. He grabs him. And they ate and they drank and they slept there. It's a party. They're so happy. The father can't do enough for him. And that's our first Vayechazak. Stay with me. And we have here the great Jewish value of Achnasas Archiv. And everything that comes in this story, you're meant to see later and to remember how this word was used first. This man in Beit Lachem Yehuda cannot do enough for the lady. It's a fundamental Jewish thing to be machnis archim. Come in three days, they're partying. So, okay, party's over. The fourth day gets up and said, okay, we're going home. Don't go without eating. Now, I just want to mention that my husband's grandfather, Yaakov, Yaakov Kamenetsky, said the fact that he is called his chotein, that he calls that he's called a father-in-law, indicates that there must have been kiddushin. Although we generally say that a pilegish has no kiddushin and no ketubah, Rabbi Yaakov says he thinks that there was Kedushin here because, <coughs> because he, um, he's called his father-in-law. There's no Kedushin, there's no relationship. But he certainly is a wonderful father-in-law. Come stay the fourth day, don't go without eating. Listen, they're eating, they're drinking together, having a good time. And the father of the girl says to the man, stay ready, stay another day. 
you know, you'll stay here, you'll sleep over, we'll have some wine. There is a connection between the tov lev and the wine, right? You see that tov lev amelech bayayin in the Megillah when he was, you know, nice and drunk, right? So they're going to, excuse me, they're going to sit and they're going to drink some more. And um, by the way, the Tanakh slips in information, by the by. It says here, Aviha Na'ara. It's letting us know that this Shilegesh is a young girl. She's young. Okay. He said, no, no, I'm going to go home. He, he, he persisted. He insisted. No, no, stay another night. Okay, so okay, so he sleeps there another. The four days they're there. Pasikhen. And the father says, you know, don't go without eating. Don't go. You see how uh, hospitable it is. You know, just, you know, he can't do enough for him. We hit Mahamehu. Delay. They delayed until the day was starting to decline. In other words, after noon, by Yochushnehem. Now notice here on the fifth day, the lady doesn't drink. He eats, but he doesn't drink. The lady is trying not to keep a clear head because he really wants to get going. Pasik 10. Right? Right? Pasik 10. The father says, you know, he says, okay, family home, it's the fifth day already. We gotta go, right? And he's not drunk now. And the father-in-law says, he the, the day is weak. In other words, the sun is weak. The sun is on its way out. It's getting close to Erev. It's the time of Chanaya. It's the time when you should be Going to sleep, not traveling. Lean po, be tavla Stay another night. Have make your heart good. You'll get up early and you'll go. Now the cheshbon of the father is simple. If you are having a long journey, I showed you on the map. It's a good long journey. It's better to start early in the morning and get home the same day, right? If you go at night, you're going to have to sleep somewhere. But the man is, is done. He's finished. He's, he's, I'm not staying another night. It's enough, right? I stayed here long enough. He refuses to stay another That's enough, right? If you want to stay sober and do what you want to do, you can't drink. So he doesn't drink. And he tells the father-in-law, I'm done, I'm leaving now. And the father-in-law's like, no, it's getting late, not a good time to travel. He's like, I'm out of here. And he takes the girl and he takes his, his uh, servant and they start traveling. <coughs> and they come to Yavus. Now, Yerushalayim, oh dear, I forgot to put the phones away. Yerushalayim. Zero, 
so Yerushalayim was um, was then taken by was then uh, inhabited by Yibusi the Jebusites, and that's where I, I mentioned to you that this is one of the clues where we see that this is probably the beginning of the time of the Shoftim. Now Yeshua had conquered Yerushalayim, but no one had lived there. And the beginning of Shoftim, Yehuda, the tribe of Yehuda, had also fought against Yibus. However, it doesn't seem to be that anyone actually is really a Jewish town until David gets rid of Yibusi, and that's a long time later. So if we look at the map, you could see if they leave Beit Lechem and they're traveling, 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 they get to Yibus. And Yibus is not a Jewish town, certainly not at this time. So, it's getting very late. The day is really going. And they're passing Yibush. And the kid says, the servant says, let's go over there to, to Yibush and, and we'll sleep over there. That's a good bet. This happens to be probably one of the most ironic and, and sad psukim in the story. The lady says, I'm not going to a not-Jewish town. I'm going to go to a Jewish town. I'm going to go where the Jews are. We're going to go to Giva. We're going to go to Rama. We're going to go to Rama. And if you look on the map, you see they were going from Beit Lechem. They went to Yavus. They got as far as Giva. It's very short from there to Rama, where Shmuel was born. It's there now. If you look at the the dot micro map here, you see the italics, the Hebrew italics, tell you the name of the present day areas. So you see there, that's Neve Yaakov, where I lived for 40 years, and Shuafat, where uh, that's not a Jewish town, as the lady says, and Giva is right there. Give us right there. That's where it is. And if you look on the map here, just one more thing, you see that this is territory of Binyamin. Yehuda is over here. Beit Lechem is Yehuda. And the Yerushalayim, which is Yavuz, is sort of the border of Yehuda and Binyamin. So we are crossing, now this is, the Levi is crossing from Yehuda territory, where the girl is from, into Binyamin territory. And Giva is Binyamin. And he's heading for Ephraim territory. So he says to Yud Gimel, let's go to Giva Rama, Pasik Yudalit, Vayavuba Yelecha, Batavola, Mashemesh, Eitzla Giva, Ashel Binyamin. And they crossed and they went and, they came, and the sun set for them by Giva, which belonged to Binyamin. They don't have a choice, they can't travel in the dark. Pasik Tetva, Vayasu Sham, oh, for heaven's sakes. Sorry. Okay. They turned aside to come to sleep in Giva, and he came. And he sits in the, the street of the city, the marketplace. And nobody is bringing them into their house to sleep. They're sitting in the middle of the town. 
the Jewish town that they wanted so much to get to a Jewish town and no one takes them in. And behold, an old man comes and he was in the field till now, it's getting dark, it's evening, and he is not a local. This old man is from Harifrayim, where the lady's from, Lansman, right? And he lives in Giba, for whatever reason we don't know. But the people of that place were Binyami. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw the man, the guest, and um, it's interesting because the, you know, the Medrash connects this, but he's as if he's an oreach in the Rehov. He's a guest in the street. And he says, where are you from and where are you going? And I took all the phones out, I'm still ringing. That's so weird. Okay. The lady says, we're going from Beit Lechem Yehuda until the end of Harifrayim. I am from there. I have gone to Beit Lechem Yehuda and I'm going to the house of God. And no one is taking me into the house. So we have to like look at this situation, right? Because there, there are beginning to be some, you know, hints that things are not good here. He gets to this place. No one takes him in. Now, we saw in, in Yehuda what, kind, what hospitality, what Jewish hospitality looks like. Right now, I guess Binyamin, and he's like upset. Like, what? We're in the street now. Why does he? Why does he want to go in? Because of the girl. That's a good chet. But Yom love. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yerches, we did already. Yetet. Begam temen, gam mispo yesh lachamareinu. I've got grain. I've got all anything I need for my animals. Right. I I don't need food. Gam lechem bayayin yesh li masecha. I am traveling with everything I need for my donkeys, for my for my uh, uh, girl, and for my my kid. I have everything. So, one of the things you have to see here is that this lady is all prepared. I just need a place to put my head down, and it's a shocking thing to him then no one takes him in because it's just not a Jewish thing. One of the things that we notice in the story is that every tribe has a different character. And this is one of the aspects of Yehuda acts this way, Binyamin acts this way, Ephraim acts that way, where there's not like a kind of unity here. And the man from Ephraim is not like the people of Binyamin. And he says, no, 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 don't sleep in the street. Okay? 
it, everything's good. I'll take care of you. Anything you need, I'll give you. You're not going to sleep in the street. You're not going to sleep in the street. Now, if you look at the whole situation, like he he could he could have slept in the street, assuming it's not raining, right? But he's, he wants to go in. Why does he want to go in? Because he's got this girl with him. It's not a thing. You can't sleep in the street if you're traveling with your wife. It doesn't work. Now, I want to show you um, a few of the things that we start paying attention to here, right? Another story that's very familiar to us, right? The story of stone, right? And Lot sees these two angels, and he doesn't know they're angels. These guys said, I'm going to sleep in the street. Language is very, very significant in the Tanakh. Remember the father-in-law, he hiftsirbo. But Yasu, they also they, they turned aside to give up. Right? And he feeds them. Okay, getting back to our story a little bit. All of these uh, language things are intended to um, start ringing alarm bells in our heads, start connecting our minds to the terrible things that happen in stone. Right? So the, the, he takes him in. I just want to make a comment here, and you're going to laugh, but. Um, it's not me that says this, it's the Abarbanel. The Abarbanel says, you learn from this lady always to travel with your own food and supplies. <laughs> I didn't know that the Abarbanel was a good Jewish mom, but um, it is a good lesson to learn. You know, you can, it's like funny because the only time that you will actually be stuck without food is a time that you didn't expect for your plane to be delayed, right? It's, that's the way it is. Like I. I don't even want to go to work without having food. I <coughs> got to always be prepared. But it's funny to me that the Abarbanel said that. So it doesn't come from me. It's from the Abarbanel. Anyway, he takes them in. Food for the donkeys. For the they wash their feet. They're there. Uh, he's taking care of them. He's uh, he's a really good good guy. And I want you to see that this is halacha for all of you pet lovers, pet owners. First, you feed the animals, and then you feed yourself. This is halacha, by the way. I remember many years ago when I was a little girl, I got a cat, and my father said to me, my father said to me, you know that you cannot eat until you feed your cat." Because it says in the Torah, right? That's the order. First you feed your animals, and then you feed yourself. And that's what they do. By the way, you're allowed to drink first. Anyway, so they're taking care of the animals, they're taking the people, everybody's fine, everything's good. And then, Now, I told you that's a catchphrase. We saw that before with the father of the girl. It's a catchphrase for drinking. They're drinking, they're happy, and then, oi. 
לאמור, הוצא את האיש אשר בא אל ביתך, אל ביתך, ונדע אינו. So they're sitting and they're eating and they're drinking, and behold, the people of the city, bad people, אנשי בני בליאל, בליאל is a word for evil people. Generally, the, the Chazal say that it comes from בליאל, without the yoke of heaven. These people don't care about God. They surrounded the house, מצדבקים, now this is a hit bail, They're not just knocking, they're banging on the door. And they say to the man, the old master of the house saying, send out the guy that came to your house. We will know him. Now that is biblical speak for intercourse. And when they say, send out the man, so they want to, they're talking about homosexual rape. Now, if you go back to, and then you see these, like I told you, this is a very reminiscent of the story of stone. But let's take a look if we can't find some differences, right? Teremishkabu, right? Lot's feeding these two angels. But anshe ha'ir, anshe stone, nasabu labayit. The language of the Pilegish Begiva story is almost identical here. Almost identical, nasabu labayit, right? But from young to old, every single person in stone was there, right? Where are the men that came to your house tonight? Send them out and we will know them. A language, so similar, right? Now watch what happens in our story, right? I'm just pointing out here that in we are told that these are men of the city, they're evil men. So we can be understanding that when we're talking about stone and the question point is that the Ramban particularly discusses the differences here. The men in stone, it was Everybody, the whole city was in on it. This is just a, a gang, a mob of bad guys, right? He said, guys, this is a terrible thing. You can't do this. A man came to my house as my guest, right? Don't do this terrible thing. Going back to stone, right? right? He closes the door after him, right? And he comes after them. Don't forget, Lot is actually a resident, not like the man of Ephraim, who's a guest. He's a resident, and according to Rashi, he, he's already a judge in stone. Don't do a bad thing, right? Don't do this bad thing. And now watch this, because this is where, you know, women go nuts, and rightly so. This is the lady. I'm sorry, this is the, uh, the, the old man. He named B.T. Habitullah. I have a daughter. She's a virgin. And he has a concubine. I will take them out to you. You could torture them. 
do whatever you want to them. But don't do this terrible thing to this man. Okay. This is very reminiscent of Lot. He says to them, to the mob, I have two daughters, they're virgins. Do whatever you want to them. Don't do anything to these men. Now, okay, uh, I, I, I know this is just, uh, this is just horrible. There's really no way to whitewash this. We have to try to understand it. <clears throat> we see two cases of these guys saying, it's better for us to give you our daughters than for you to rape this man. So there's a, a couple of ways that we could try to understand it. Number one, number one, apparently the, the homosexual part of the situation, the homosexual rape was so appalling and abominable to them that actually a quote unquote heterosexual normal rape, that would be preferable. That seems to be part of the cheshbon here, which, uh, you know, it's just kind of horrific any way you slice it, but that seems to be part of the cheshbon. And there's another part to it when they keep saying, right? <coughs> right, they're my guests. So in some sort of, you know, perverted world, number one, homosexual rape is much, much worse than normal rape. And number two, you cannot violate a guest because that is a violation of norms of the society. But the bottom line is here, right? You have a society that has some very, very perverted ideas. Now, if we go back to Stone, okay, so the Ramban says Stone is worse because Stone had institutionalized this evil. They were anti-chesed. They did not allow people to have guests. And this was the way they behaved. And they were just, you know, the whole town were evil. And besides the evil of this, right, the, the ideas, they were so wealthy, the people of Stone, they could easily have taken care of many, many people. So we don't know what the, the, the situation is in Giv'ah. But one of the things that we're supposed to be taking away from this story is the absolute horror of this. And this seems to have been, if we look at the story of Stone, this seems to have been a kind of custom, a kind of tax on travelers that they would rape them. Then they don't take him into the house for a reason, because they're fair game, they're travelers. And this is the people that the Jewish people have settled among. And these are the people that Hashem said, get rid of. And these are the people they didn't get rid of. And so you see this kind of thing. Why isn't the old man, you know, one of that? Because he comes from a different tribe. He comes from a different place. He's old. He's not picking up all these bad habits. But it gets worse. Sorry. <clears throat> so the first thing you have to remember is what it says in Taylor, right? Don't, don't hang out here. Now, in fact, the Mayam Lawes looks at what, the old man says, right, to the lady, he says, what are you doing here, right? Where are you going, right? And 
the man lawyer says, the old man is saying to the lady, don't hang around in this place. This is not a good place. And later he says, don't sleep in the street, right? Because he knows that there's bad stuff going on. And the man Lois is saying, the Medrash is saying, he, he's telling the lady, this is a bad place. Don't hang around here. Another lesson for us to remember, pick, pick your locations, pick your people. Don't hang around with evil people. Okay, so he has made this horrific offer. I'll give you my daughter, my virgin daughter, and I'll give you his concubine. They don't want to hear that. They want what they want. And now this gets to be really bad. Okay. It's just so horrible. That word Vayechazek, we had a, I told you we have it three times in the story. The first time you see that the father-in-law grabs him, winds him and dines him and can't do enough for him, the true hospitality that we want to see. And the second time, this man grabs his own wife, concubine, and he throws her out. So what, what's the deal here? What's the deal here? Why would he do such a thing? Right? It's hard to wrap your head around that kind of thing. You, the job of the guy is to protect the woman, right? He is sacrificing her to save himself. So either he thinks, like I mentioned, that homosexual rape would be so much worse, or he's desperate, can't think of another way out of it, or, and probably all could be true, he couldn't care less about her. He doesn't really have an emotional attachment to her. How could you do this to a woman you cared about, right? She is just property. She is not important to him. And clearly, Right, this woman is an unprotected woman, and we are we are being shown what happens to unprotected women in such a society. Right, this is not uh, meant to. Um, I mean, it, it's it's meant. It, it sounds like this. Navi is putting this out there to say this is a horrible society. This is a horrible Kanani custom that they took upon themselves. This is a horrible way to treat women. This is not right. And there shouldn't be such an institution where a woman has no protection and no value in the eyes of the, of the people who should be um, protecting her. And certainly it gives you a pause to think, why did he want her, right? She's a young girl. He, he has no, like he doesn't, he doesn't seem to care about her. It seems like there's something, you know, we should be more careful in choosing our spouses. Okay. Anyway, he throws her out. In the story of Stone, we actually kind of have a happy ending because they're dealing with angels. And the angels and God uh, strikes all the people of Stone with blindness. They can't find the door. And they, uh, and Lot and the angels are able to run away. If you remember, Lot hesitated, it was hard for Lot. And the word to delay is also in the story because the, he, was, he was delaying with the father of the girl. So a lot of the language is, is reminding you. is a very unusual word. And right away, you should be like, oh, this sounds like stone. The men, the sabu al 
anyway, we don't have a happy ending here. We have a tremendous tragedy and a horror. By Yedu Ota, they raped her. By its Aluba, they um, uh, tormented her. Call Halila Araboker all night long. Poor girl. By Yishalhuha Kalota Shahar. And they let her go as the dawn rose. Now, what does that mean? First of all, we have to understand that they did not intend to kill her. That is not to say that they're doing a good thing. That is just to say, this was not murderous. This was just lust. Now, if you think about it, they didn't want her at first, but this is the kind of animals they are. He throws her out, they grab her because, you know, whatever, that's because they're animals. This is where it gets so, so sad. She comes at the early morning and she fell at the entrance of the house of the man where her master is there until it got light. Now, he's no longer referred to as her husband, but rather as her master for reasons that are quite clear. And this is where I'm sure you have this question. What does that mean? Her master got up in the morning. If he got up in the morning, what does that say that he did before he got up? Yeah, he went to sleep, the creep, right? Throws her out and goes to sleep. And if, if you have ever had worry over someone who came home late, you can't sleep, you're, you're up, you're frantic, you keep checking the door. I had when my son was in Mayrone, I almost had a heart attack that night, four hours waiting to hear from my son. The fear, you, you can't sleep if you're worried about someone. What kind of a monster is this lady? Right? And if he had gone looking for her, she fell with the rest of her kochas outside the door. Right? How long did she lay there before this jerk opened the door? That's a horrifying thing to think about for me. Right? He gets up in the morning, he opens the door of the house, and he gets up to go on his way. What the heck is wrong with him? And here's the woman, Pilak Show. How pathetic. This woman, his concubine, is falling at the entrance of the house and her hand is at the, the threshold. And this complete, I have no words for this man. And he says to her, get up and let's go. As if she had a nap. The ain't no And no one answers. Right? Rashi says, she was dead. And he took her on the donkey and he got up and he went home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I think about it, like she dies clearly because of the abuse 
and also because of the exposure. She's outside after all this abuse and she hasn't got the strength to get inside and he doesn't get up until the morning to find her there dead. And here, this is something that's kind of horrible and um, uh, just no, no whitewashing it. He takes the knife, he brings her home, the corpse of this girl. We don't know at what point she died, but she's certainly, you know, he's certainly not taking care of her. If she's still alive, she's not answering him. Rashi says she died. But in any case, by the time he gets her home, she's certainly dead. Now the third time we see, he, he grabs her. And he cut her up to the bones, to 12 pieces. Takes a knife and he dismembers her into 12 pieces, right? And he sends it all around the country. Everyone should see. Rabbi Sharon, I'm so sorry to interrupt. This was the the Ke'ilu husband or the father, her father? No, no, the father's out of the story. He stole my lechem. Okay, so the husband is the one who's cutting her up. Okay, sorry. Now, that from Pasuk Havav, we call him her master because he doesn't act much like a husband. He now has set himself up to be a man on a, a quest for justice. And he wants everyone to know about the atrocity that happened at Giva, right? And he, he sends out pieces of this corpse. So every tribe gets a piece of the corpse. And Pasuk Laman, Bahaya, Kol Haroev Amar. And it was, right? You know, anyone who saw, obviously, there must have been some message sent with these pieces of corpse, right? Anyone who saw said, we have never had or seen such a thing from the time that the Jews left Egypt until today. Look, put, put your minds to this, right? Make a plan. Talk about this. What are we going to do about this horrible atrocity? So a number of questions have to be asked here, okay? Um, we definitely see that this lady is is just, I mean, he's just horrible. Um, it's hard to understand in any event why, why in the story of Lot, why would Lot throw out his daughters? Or why would this man throw her out? And the way he treats her afterwards is just beyond, it's just, it's, it's beyond human comprehension, he, right? But now that it's actually happened, she died. Now he's going to make a crusade that everyone should know about this, and this has to stop. Okay, I'm gonna stop the screen share. All right, now, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm ending this uh, Perek on this uh, terrible note, 
And um, this is actually, you know, the, the most horrific, deadly part of this story, right? Really, really shocking. And uh, the most shocking part about it is how similar it is to the story of Stone. You could just say, well, this is just like Stone. How could it be that Jews act this way? How could Jews have sunk so low? And this is a very sad story. In my mind, part of the problem is a mob mentality. And I think that, you know, um, we see in history that whenever a mob, you know, starts doing stuff, they're completely out of control. The individuals in that group might have some scruples, but they're carried along by the mob mentality. So that's why the, the Mepharshim try to find some mitigating factors in the story that make it not as shocking and horrible as Stone, <coughs> because this was certain evil people. It wasn't the whole town. And in Stone, it was institutionalized. It wasn't just a bunch of, you know, rampaging animals, bad people. It was, that was the way they ran their city. There was an anti-Fesed city. And God who destroyed the whole thing. But if we look at, you know, Sefer Yeshaya, let me stop the screen. And I want to show you this. I'll come back to this. Okay. Yeshaya says, Perak Aleph, Kistom Hayinu, Daminu. We became like stone. We became like Amora. Shimu dvar Hashem kitzine stone. Hazinu taratilokenu am Amora. Yeshaya says, listen to the word of God, you people of stone, you offices of stone, right? You nation of Amora, right? Hashem says, I, I'm, I'm fed up with you Jews. You've just sinned too much. And here you have, in this story, you have, in those last five chapters, you have uh, idolatry, Gilarias, and Shrifa like the whole bunch of terrible, you know, uh, the, 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 the criminal, the great sins that we talk about, they're all here. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Are there any, um, we, we're going to continue this story and I'm going to try to make some more sense out of it in the next uh, two sessions. But um, there's no question that it's probably um, the most horrible story in Tanakh, in my opinion. It's just the most horrible story because it takes, you know, a society that should be way above such behavior, right? And we consider ourselves way above this behavior. And you see them like, you know, deteriorating to the level of stone. And um, it's really tragic. And it's a, it's a really sad ending to say for Shofti was saying like, when there is no authority, when there is no God in the picture, then people become, you know, animals. All right, sorry, ladies. No way to, no way to make this less of a downer. It was just a bad story, a horrible story. Okay, any questions? I have a question. Um, I'm just trying to understand, like him, I, obviously it's awful that he cut her up into 12 pieces, but was there not like a part of him that like 
was like that thought this was horrific and that's why he wanted everyone to know about it and, and yes, like, yes yes now it's, see, it's, we're going to see in chapter 20 we're not finished with the lady okay we're going to see how he tells the story over whitewashing his own guilt of course and tells everybody look what the terrible people Benjamin did right but his own part in it he's going to leave that out However, however poorly he comes out in the telling of the story, and he comes out really as a complete, you know, horrible, horrible person, it's still, he did not deserve that his, this should happen to her. They should, those people need to be punished. Now, here we go, if it's a milk Israel. If there is a king in Israel, there's courts, there's laws, the people get punished, they don't know what to do. And you're gonna we're gonna find out in the next parak that the people of Binyamin are not actually gonna be cooperating. So, yes, he wants justice because a terrible thing was done. A terrible thing was done, but he also, you know, we also think he's terrible. Right, but there is a decline here when they first don't take him in and you see these people are not hospitable, you can start with small chesed, acts of chesed that people can, can't um, do and it just becomes so much bigger than that. And this is exactly what happened in Megillah's Ruth also. Uh, you know, Alimelech left because he didn't want to give tzedakah. He was sick of people knocking on his door and his two sons ended up marrying two, um, you know, and they both, they all three of them died and all these tragedies ended up happening to him. It was all because of a smaller chesed. So it's interesting. Anyway. Robertson Sharon, I had a question. I think I missed something in the beginning. Was the, the, the concubine unfaithful to, his, to her husband at the beginning so of the story? The, the language of the Pasuk is vatizne. Vatizne. So the, there are commentators who say she was actually unfaithful. But um, the problem with that is that if a woman is unfaithful to a man, he can't take her back. So it would, it's very hard to interpret it in the simple language of it. But the word note means to go astray. So the Gemara really doesn't go in that direction. The Gemara says she went astray. She, you know, she messed up at home and that there was like a fly in his food or a hair in his food. And this is kind of like ridiculous language for going astray when you're like, you know, but there's all kinds of, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that Gemara there. But the point is there was something in that relationship that was off and she left. So the Gemara goes in the direction of saying he did not treat her right. And as we go through the story, it becomes easier and easier to believe that he did not treat her right. When he's in the house of her father, we don't hear a word from her. We don't hear, and neither one of these people have names. Why don't they have names? There's something off here. You're supposed to be looking at the story and saying, how did this happen? But there's no, there's no good people. So that what, what was her sin 
It could be, you know, there were commentators that say that when he threw her out, he was thinking, why should I die for her? She anyway, you know, I can't trust her. Then, but then why did he go back for her? Seems like there's something rotten in this society. Very rotten. I think that the, that the Nabi wants us to look at it and say, right, first of all, I'm, the institution of Pelegish is a disaster. It's a disaster. It's a disaster for women, right? And second of all, the, the society is, you know, is treating women in general. Like, you know, it, it's interesting that historically, the whole institution of Kedushin and Ketubah is intended to protect women. And today we know that there are, are, are men who abuse that, you know, and, uh, you know, they won't give a get and all this kind of thing. But really, you know, for centuries, you know, the, the Jewish religion is way ahead of the rest of the world in how it treated women. This, this is meant to be, you know, I mean, this is the same book that talks about Devorah, right? And Yael and great Jewish heroines. Right? And, and, and then say for Shoftim, we see Ruth. This is not the way women are supposed to be treated. That's certainly one of the lessons here. This is not the way. And you see, like what, what's wrong with the way these men think? They're supposed to protect their women with their load. And then what happens with Lot and his daughters, that's what Hazal say, you deserve that. That's what they say. You were ready to throw them out. Look what happened. Oh, I'm sorry. I'd love to teach you some more fun stuff. This is just a really bad story. I know getting around it. Good night. Good night. Anyways. Hello, Mikulam. Next week, we'll, we will try to find some justice for this poor abused girl. But it's not going to be pretty either. You never find out what her name was and who she was. It's never written. No. It's not the point. No. This is Thank you, Repetition Sharon. It's a victim. Kodesh Tov. Kodesh I don't remember, but does she get a proper burial at some point? I certainly hope so. That's not discussed. The whole, the, the chazal, the, the rabbis have a discussion. Is he allowed to do that? Because it's not covered a mace. Right. You're not allowed to, you know, do such a thing. But perhaps, you know, was a horat sha'ah, the teaching of the hour, in order to prevent, you know, further atrocities and to punish the evildoer. But it's that, you know, just like, oh, he couldn't just send a note. He just wanted people to see how, how low they, they, they went over there. And he wanted, he wanted people to go after these evil guys and punish them. And, you know, he's right about that. But is this gruesome? Is the gruesome way to, to do the it? idea of him like sleeping away while she's being tortured and raped and and then uh, it's just the whole thing. It's just yeah. You know, if you're worried about someone, you would not be going to sleep. the The word vayakom is probably the, the most difficult word in this whole parrot. He got up. The heck, we do sleeping.
But even the man who had them over in the end as his guest, even he was corrupt enough to feel that if it's not homosexual rape, then it's, it's not as bad. Like that's how- Only thing I could say for the old man is that he perhaps didn't really think they would hurt his daughter. If, you're, if these people are evil, why would they not hurt his daughter? Like, why would that even... He's, he's a resident. He's not a traveler. The fact is that they, you know, they, they were satisfied with the, the Pelegish. Right? Maybe he felt that if he makes this horrible offer that they'll back off. I don't know. It's hard to understand this whole thing. Oh, yeah. I have to say this is like very much on my mind, you know, like it, I, I shouldn't draw any comparisons, but you know, there, there are people who like sink to like mob mentality and you see it all around you. You don't have to go too far, you know, and um the, the world history is full of examples of people who just, you know, they otherwise look normal and then they do the most horrific things, you know. Look at the Nazis. Right. You know, they go home and they play with their kids and they feed their dogs and then they go and do unspeakable things. How to how, how, how do you get your head around when they think of themselves as culture? Right, but we as Jews are supposed to know a little bit better. We're supposed to have a little that's, bit of a... That's, that's the, the horrible part of this. Like, you know, oh. Jews would never do that. So it's a warning. It's really a warning. And the, the bottom line is, you know, Rupshosalantar used to say, you know, life is a ladder. If you're not going up, you're going down. You can't stand still. So you should be going up. One second. It was the Alto Slovak who said that. Not Mr. Salante. Life is a ladder. Better to go up. <coughs> you can't stand still. And that's what happens when people sort of disconnect from the idea of growing and getting better and being more kadosh. And the way they go is the other way. I mean, it's just a horrible thing because, you know, if you look around, you know, I must say it's, it's here in Israel also, but in the States, it's, I mean, the things that go on that people think is normal there. Like, you know, man, it can be women. They teach little, little children. You can be whatever you want. And they do like sex change operations on very young kids. And I mean, Listoma, you know, it's stone. Like what are these perversions? And it's 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 not only okay to not be straight, it's it's celebrated. Let's have a parade about it. You know? Okay. How did that happen? I just to me, I grew up in a normal world, I'm not so old. And I look at what's going on and I'm like, how did we go in a it really doesn't seem like a long time? from a society that's like a normal family-oriented society to a bunch of lunatics. 
It happens real fast if you don't. No, but they still consider themselves. Rock and your at You don't fear God. You make your own rules, and whatever you like. It's it's the lesson that that this story and other stories give us is that when there is no king, when there is no God, everybody does whatever they want. It's a jungle out there. It's very scary.